0: Welcome back to another episode of Tactical Friday. You heard from him this past Monday, and I am pleased to be welcoming back Wayne Mullins with Ugly Mug Marketing. We're going to be talking about his ADA framework. Wayne, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you,
1: Zach. I'm excited about this conversation today.
0: Man, I'm super excited about it. and We were laughing a little bit in between that uh, when I see a framework that is available from somebody I love eating up frameworks because to me, it's the tactics, right? It's the steps that we need to be following attached to something like marketing. So I I really want to dive into this and give you time to get granular about the ADA framework. And it's in your book, chapter three. I mean, I'm going to let you really overall introduce it, but ADA is an acronym. I love acronyms too. The military taught me to love a good acronym and it stands for Attention, Interest, Desire and action, and it really focuses on really what you need to be doing with your marketing and your strategies as a whole. But I'm going to let you just kind of dive into it, serve it up, and talk through that framework a little bit, and and really what makes up that framework and how we can actually enact it.
1: Absolutely. So I got to begin with just a kind of a big warning here, and, and that's this: that this framework actually comes from early 1900s, I believe is 1907, when this framework was originally written about and talked about. And so for some of those listening, they're going to think, you know, this is right, 2022, a framework from early 1900s can't be relevant today. People in 1900, they didn't have social media, they didn't have internet, they didn't have, a lot of them didn't have electricity at that time. So how could this even be relevant today? And here's the interesting thing, Zach, that the basics of human psychology and the way that humans interact with things and the way that humans make purchasing decisions hasn't really changed at all since the early 1900s. We're still fundamentally the same human beings that we were back in the early 1900s. So this framework, unlike the latest and greatest platform that a lot of gurus are out there talking about, this is tried and true. And the beauty of the ADA framework is this, that it can be applied to as granular as writing copy for a particular piece to as big as the overarching marketing strategy that you're putting in place for your organization. So if if you're ready, we'll go ahead and dive in.
0: Yeah, go ahead and break it down for us and kind of, and there's one in particular I'm probably going to stop you on because I'm really curious about something that you wrote in your book. But yeah, go ahead and break it apart for us so we understand it better. Yeah, let's do it.
1: So I'll, I'll run through them
0: super quick and then we'll come
1: back and dive into each one in, in more detail. So the first one is the A for attention. So I love to say where attention goes and money flows. So if we don't capture people's attention, none of the rest of this even matters. The next one is interest. And an important point here is that people are interested in their interests, not in our products or services. And I'll come back and explain that in a second. Then the D is for desire. And you know, when we can learn as marketers to evoke desire, to speak to people's desire it becomes so much easier because we're speaking the language we're speaking the words they want to hear because we're leaning into that desired outcome for their future. And then the last one um, is just a for action. And as simple as this one is, it's the one that probably gets overlooked most often. So if you want, we'll go back through and, and kind of talk through each one.
0: Yeah. And there are different parts that I underlined about each piece of it and attention. What I've really found interesting is you did put some statistics in your book about content. And I don't even know how big this freaking number is, probably a lot of zeros, but each day in 2020, there were 2.5 quintillion with a Q data bytes of content created. That sounds like a lot. That's more than a million and a billion and a gazillion. That's even a real number. But really, what it highlights is as people were home during COVID, there's more and more content being created. So attention became even more important.
1: Absolutely. You know the simplest thing that i love to talk to people about when we think about capturing attention so you know you either scroll on facebook or instagram with either your thumb or your finger right so i always ask people like are you a thumb scroller or are you a finger scroller when you're going through your phone and the question then simply becomes this what is it that, that as you're quickly scrolling through your feed what is it that actually causes you to stop and pay attention what are the things that cause you to stop and pay attention and so we subconsciously don't really think about that. Even as marketers, we're just doing the thing. You know. So we're on Facebook or Instagram, we're just scrolling. We're not really thinking in terms of marketing. But I want to challenge people listening to when something causes you to stop, ask yourself, what was it about this that made me stop? Or maybe it's on YouTube or, you know, you name the platform. What was it about the thing that made you actually stop and pay attention? So in light of all the other noise, all the other things vying for your attention, what was it about that piece? And I would encourage you to take a screenshot on your computer, take a screenshot on your phone, take a screenshot and build a library of the things that capture your attention. Because here's what's interesting. Over time, Zach, people will start identifying the common traits the common characteristics of the pieces that cause you to stop and pay attention. And it becomes a powerful resource and tool when it comes to you creating content for your target audience.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And it highlights the second part of interest because, and I love the way you put this because it shows, especially with the algorithms that social media platforms have created is that people are interested in their interests, not your products or your services. So if I'm scrolling, I know my TikTok feed is a bunch of fitness stuff and a bunch of puppies. And that's what I scroll. And as I like and share those videos more, more of that gets fed to me, right? My interests are going to be. So if all of a sudden I see an ad for, Something that's not a supplement or not puppy related, I'm probably not going to be interested in that ad, right? So, targeting through marketing and and creating marketing content for your ideal client means you have to understand their interests because that's how you're going to get that attention, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on. And I think the interesting thing about that statement about interest is this that, you know, let's just say that, you know, we're in the supplement business, we have a supplement that we make. And so, we would be of interest to you, Zach. You know, our product would be of interest to you. But it'd be a mistake on my part if I own this company, I was marketing for this company to assume that you actually care about our product. What you care about are the benefits derived or the benefits gained from the supplements or whatever type of supplement. That is your true interest. You could care less if it's our brand, if it's another brand. It doesn't matter to you. What matters to you are the desired outcomes, which ties directly into that next piece is you're interested in your interest, which supplements, which you have a certain desired benefit or desired future that you are after. It could be less of something, right? So in the supplement world, it could be supplements because you know, you're know you deficient in a certain area. And so you're trying to offset that deficiency. So you feel better, or it could be for a gain, right? So you're doing it for better endurance, better performance, whatever the thing may be. But your desired future. And, and as marketers, it's so important that we learn to speak that language because we get so caught up in the features and the benefits and we're trying to you know convince people that you know our thing is the best thing and, and here's all the reasons why, here's all the features and here's the benefits of those things. But if instead we shift that to here's what's going to happen, here's how you're going to feel, here's how you're going to look, here's all these things, and we speak those things, as it relates to your desire, we are now speaking the same language and in the same voice that is getting played in your head, right? As it relates to those things that you're interested in.
0: Yeah. And I love how you framed it in the book. I don't think you could have really stated it better is that really desire starts with the knowledge that something better is possible. And I think that's the best way to put it because like you're talking about supplements, I'm not buying a supplement unless I see that there's a better possibility from what I'm already or already not doing, right? So when it comes to like my, I have a 15-year-old husky, so when it comes to my dog, if there's something that can make her life better, you you can believe that the better possibility of longer life for the pup is going to happen, right? That's just a no-nonsense purchase, So I like that you hire, that you implement that aspect of like desire and how you you frame desire in there, because that's really important. And it leads into the final A of action where a clear singular path for exactly what to do next is important. That call to action that we talked about on Monday, where are you sending people? Can you break down that action piece a little bit more for us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, it's the number one mistake that people make with any form of marketing. We naturally assume that people know what to do next, right? It's our product, it's our service. We're so familiar with the way the process works or what we automatically assume people are gonna do next that we forget to tell them specifically, here's the next thing you need to do. And this is gonna be maybe a uh, terrible advice that people are gonna think I'm crazy for this, but the best place to study call to actions is to go watch QVC or HSN, Home Shopping Network, or QVC. I don't know what QVC even stands for, but go watch those shows. And if you wanna see a true master, go watch In the Kitchen with David on QVC. I think it's Sundays around noon and it's like a two or three hour show this host, David Venable is his name. He is one of the most brilliant salespeople that you will ever watch perform. And I, I say perform in a good way because he is a master at using call to actions. He's a master at getting people to pick up the phone and call. He's a master at getting people to log on in order. And for us as entrepreneurs, that's where we miss the boat so often you go pick up a local print publication, you go listen to a radio spot, you watch a television spot, look on Facebook or Instagram, the number of posts or the number of ads that have a clear call to action is very, very small. So shame on us as entrepreneurs, shame on us as marketers for assuming, we already know what happens when we assume, right? Shame on us for assuming that people know what the next step is. We have to be clear. We have to be explicit. We have to give them that next logical step.
0: And there are two examples that I use with clients because I kind of coach clients through creating that offer, right? And in business, I think that's so important where if you don't have a good offer, you can't have the call to action to the offer. So having an enticing offer that, I mean, this framework fits perfectly into something like crafting an offer where it's not just a marketing framework. This is really honestly a framework for business as a whole, where as they're going through, you literally have to hold a hand of the customer, right? Like you're literally, all right, here's the next thing. Here's the next thing. And there were studies put out during political elections that, Talk about public speakers and the most effective public speakers are the ones that break it down to like a fourth grade level, not somebody speaking at a high school level, not somebody speaking at a collegiate level, somebody that can literally break it down. And they look at the speeches that were written over the last several elections and every single person that won from Donald Trump to Barack Obama, all the way back to Clinton, the ones that won those elections were speaking simply. They were speaking clearly and they were speaking on a lower level for understanding purposes, not necessarily insulting the intelligence of the audience, but literally clearly saying this is what it is. And I think in marketing, that can be instrumental. It's like you don't necessarily want to speak down to somebody, but understand that they don't understand, right? Or assume that they don't understand. Like that's the best assumption you could probably make is like, they don't understand. So you need to speak to them on a level where everybody's going to understand.
1: Yep. I mean, spot on. That assumption that they're going to magically know what the next step is. And as you, I mean, I can't say it any better than what you said. You've got to literally tell them the next step is blank. And then I would say even go a step further and tell them what to expect during that next step. So the next step is visit our website, When you're there, you will see the whatever. Put your name and email address in there and hit submit or whatever the thing may be. But it's not, and this is an important point, it doesn't just end there. So we often think about this as the initial hook or the initial way we get people into the funnel. Yes, it's very important for for you to have a good call to action there, but it doesn't just end there. So once they've gone to the website, once they've put in their name and email address, they're on the thank you page what is the next step there? The next step is, okay, Zach, thank you so much. Go check your inbox. In your inbox, I've just sent you an email. In that email, I've got X, Y, or Z in there for you. Go check it out. So again, you've got to carry that all the way through your entire marketing process.
0: Yeah, it's funny. And I don't necessarily love ClickFunnels. Russell Brunson, I love. But ClickFunnels is a whole thing. There, there's a whole nother story there. But what they do so well is guide people down that path, right? But what you have to understand, like you said, once you get the hook, like social media can be the hook. You drive them into your funnel. If they check out and they buy, and then they don't know what the heck to expect next, you just made a really unhappy customer, right? That's where your customer service comes in. That's where somebody else has to get on the phone. That's where cancellations and returns happen because it's not clearly defined. It's literally for a program I just launched, Here's a pop-up, sign up here, opt in here. That opt in takes you to Thank you page that says, "Alright, go join the Facebook group." In the Facebook group, there's a video and there's literally breadcrumbs all the way through to the webinar of that day on that time and they were reminded 18 different times, "Here's the webinar, click here." And it literally has to be that simplistic for everybody.
1: Yep. I completely agree with you. It's got to be. We and again, it goes back to though Missing one of the components in this framework you bring you do the first three beautifully you capture the attention you're speaking to their interests and their desires, but then you don't have the call to action you've wasted your effort on the first Mm -hmm. on the first section because you've wasted that attention. You've wasted the fact that you've now begin speaking to the interest or building that desire in them. So yeah, it's it's so important.
0: I love it because beyond wasting effort, it's time and money. And then we all hate marketing companies because y'all did something wrong. And in reality, it's like we didn't do that last little bit to kind of tie it all together. I love it. Wayne, I appreciate you breaking down the ADA framework, man. I absolutely love that. I think, like I said, it applies not just to marketing. It applies to so much we're doing in business because you you said it before, there are those basic principles that they just work. They have stood the test of time. And I think ADA is a perfect framework to work and operate off of. So I appreciate you bringing that to us for Tactical Friday. Can you remind the audience, what's the best place for them to find you, connect with you, find more about the ADA framework, and of course, pick up your book, Full Circle Marketing.
1: Absolutely, Zach. So uh, the simplest place is our website. That's just uglymugmarketing.com. You can learn more about me, more about the company. We've got links to all kinds of resources there. For the book itself, it's available in all major retailers. So it's all online places, some of the local places as well. So I hope people will go check it out.
0: I love it. Wayne, thanks so much, my friend, and I appreciate your time.
1: Thanks so much, Zach.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, and I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does 5 to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% insurance costs, Be sure to visit NightProtectionLLC.com.